So turn on your Bible, open it up to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, this morning we will be in verses 10 through 16. Back in 2012 and 2013, I read a host of articles about sheep in Switzerland. And you might say, sheep in Switzerland. Well, I was reading that there were increased numbers of attacks by wolves upon sheep in Switzerland, and sheep were being eaten by the wolves. The surviving sheep would scatter to the point where they'd break down fences, uh, run off and get lost, uh, die from just their heart being racing so much, or get tangled in fencing or whatever and die that way. And so, specifically, farmers with smaller flocks of sheep uh, were losing a lot of their financial um, earnings for the year. And so there's a Swiss biologist, I think his name was Dr. Landry, uh, who came up with a collar to put on the sheep that had a mobile chip in it that when the heart elevation of the sheep would go to a certain point and they put on a number of the sheep, it would send a message to the shepherd Literally, his phone would ding and go off and he'd read that the sheep's heart rates are up and to him it was like the wolves are attacking. Well, today there's a company that I was reading about this week that has gone beyond the collar and they actually just implant a device, not in sheep, but in other animals so that farmers or shepherds can know the same thing. And now it gives you GPS, it tells you what's going on about their heart rate and everything, but it's fascinating that when sheep's heart rates begin to rise, then the shepherds get a text and it says wolves are attacking. And I thought, it would be so easy for the church if the elders and pastors would get a text the false teaching wolves are attacking the sheep instead of grabbing your can of bear spray grab your can of false teacher spray and get them out of the church it would be so much easier that way but God's plan for us is also simple in the sense that he is the great shepherd of his flock, of his church, who places under shepherds in those places. He will protect the flock, and he is the one that has given us the way to protect the flock, and that is the word of God. First, in our, So Titus chapter 1, verses 10 through 16, and as we read through this, the scriptural truth this morning is that Jesus, the great shepherd, loves and protects his church by providing elders to guard the flock from wolves in sheep's clothing. Verse 10. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit, for any good work. 
the Word of God. And again, it's always a wonderful reminder. We have God's Word breathed out by the Holy Spirit on pages for us to read. He's given us our instruction, and you may approach this passage and go, well, this is more for the elders of the church. Do you know that this week I've been praying not only for the elders of the church, but I've been praying for you, that you would be, as uh, Tim, one of our elders who began the service telling you about the Bereans who know the word of God, that church, as you grow in your knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ, it will guard your heart from the false teaching that abounds in this world. And so pray for the elders, but also pray for one another that we would grow in the word of God. So let us look at the text here and look at uh, what Paul is writing to Titus. And he gives some specific instructions to the elders of the church that Titus is to put in place to guard from the wolves that are on the attack. And the first thing that he tells them in verses 10 through 12 is that they are to silence the deceivers. But I passed over verse 9, which we ended last week, and so you must go back and look at verse 9. This was part of the description of the elders, the qualifications, and verse 9 says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy what? Word, the Word of God, as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Without that grounding in the word of God, the elders or other believers are never going to be aware of the false teaching that abounds. You might think, well, false teaching is just today. No, it was attacking every single church that we read of in the letters of the New Testament and the apostles writing that the leaders of the church, the believers in the church would be aware of this. Look at verse 10. There's a serious problem as he says, there are many who are insubordinate. There are many false teachers. There's a sense of urgency that Paul gives Titus that they are abounding on this island in Crete. And as he was told and charged in all the cities of Crete on this island set elders in place, he says the reason is because there are many false teachers that are abounding in this place. And so just like a sketch of a criminal after a crime, when they're looking for someone, Paul makes a sketch of a false teacher for the elders and for you, believer, to pay attention, to go, oh, here is a description of a false teacher. Here's a description of maybe a believer who's going after false teaching. And you can turn them back with the word of God, Lord willing. It says here in the first of the scriptures is they are insubordinate. False teachers are rebellious, and their rebellious is against God's word, what the apostles were teaching the church. And so these are people who refute the word of God. They deny the word of God. They twist the word of God. And in that, they are in clear rebellion to the Lord God Almighty. It says there's many of them. They're insubordinate. And then it says they're empty talkers, those who have vain, empty, and senseless talking, that they lack in teaching of the truth. When you are hearing someone who is teaching or preaching the word of God, listen to the words they say. When you're in fellowship with other believers or people in the church, listen to the words they say. Is it just vain words? Or is, there just, is there no meaning of God's truth when they're talking about the things of God? Is it just something that they have come up with or some type of thing that they think is important? Maybe a pet type of theology or something that they have. 
They're possibly people who ramble on just so they can please people's ears. And the Apostle Paul warned uh, Timothy, another disciple of his, if you just turn back a page to 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. He charges Timothy to preach the word of God. And it says in verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, prove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Church, look at me. This is serious. What are you reading? Who are you listening to? Who are you watching on the TV in regards to preaching and the teaching of the Word of God? You must be aware. The elders are not sitting with you in your homes while you're turning on or while you're driving, listening to that teaching or that podcast or whatever. You, therefore, must be a Berean and hold to what these people are teaching, to the Word of God. God's given it to you. Do you understand why I repeatedly say, maybe 20 times a sermon, read the Word of God? It will guard your heart. Hide the Word of God in your heart. So that when the false teaching abounds, it will be, oh, wow, Holy Spirit, thank you for warning me of this because of the word of God. Are the people that you pay attention to in this world empty talkers? Are they teaching something that pleases your ears? So many people go to certain churches, listen to certain people because those men and women will teach things that is pleasing to their ears. And we want to hear things that are good to our ears, right? We don't want to hear about hell. We don't want to hear about sin. We don't want to hear about the tough things that, oh, Christians are going to go through persecution in this world. We don't want to hear about those things because those aren't pleasing. We just want to hear about God loves me. He has a wonderful plan for my life, and it's in heaven with him forever. That's what we want to hear. And so we run to, or people have a tendency to run to false teachers who do not teach the word of God plainly and simply because the word of God is powerful and working. And therefore, pay attention and see if they're empty talkers. The third descriptor is deceivers. They're liars. It means to charm, to seduce, or enchant with a purpose to deceive. This goes all the way back to Genesis 3. Remember Satan in the garden with Adam and Eve, God specifically gave Adam instructions. You can have all of this, but do not eat of this. If you do, this is the consequence. And what does Satan do? Did God really say? Did God really mean that? I mean, that's a trouble in the church today. Is not just, did God really say it? But people saying, well, this is what I think it means. This is what it means to me. That is a dangerous statement, church. Scripture simply and plainly states truth. And the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. And yes, there are things in the word of God that are hard to understand. God, his wisdom is so vast and so great. 
We cannot fully understand it whatsoever, but we can, as a follower of Christ, because the Spirit of Christ dwells and lives in us, to pray and ask, Holy Spirit, give me clear understanding. Not just because it's something that I want it to mean, or I think it means this, what does it actually say? False teachers are deceivers. And just like Satan... They question the word of God, making something sound good, but it is not actually scripture whatsoever. And then the fourth description is that they're part of, some of them are part of the circumcision party. And you're like, well, what does that have to do with anything? These would be Jewish Christians, those who are newer converts. Maybe some of them from Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, it says there were Cretans there. Those of the 3,000 possibly that came to faith on that day when the Holy Spirit came and the gospel was preached Maybe those of the circumcision party of the Cretans brought back to the churches there in Crete that you have to do these type of legalistic additions to all these things so that you would be cleansed and you would be saved. In Acts chapter 15, the council in Jerusalem dealt with the circumcision party, Judaizers who are in the church. We'll look at what they taught specifically here as we see it in verses 14 through 16. But in 2 John chapter 1, or there's only one chapter in 2 John, verse 7, it says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. There, John was addressing a specific heresy being passed into this into the church and the early believers, but he makes the point that deceivers go out into the world to deceive people from believing the truth of God's word, and he calls them not only deceivers, but also the Antichrist. And therefore, church, pay attention to what you listen to, to what you read, to who you listen to preaching the word of God. You should be always taking the word of God and testing everything that I say from this pulpit. Do not take my word for it. Open the word and see if that is the truth or not. In verse 11, though, he says of these many insubordinate, empty-talking, deceiving, those of the circumcision party, that they must be silenced. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. They must be silenced. It's a word used to bridle. Like as a bridle you put in a horse's mouth, you put that in the mouth of these false teachers to silence them, to stop them from the false teaching that they are spreading in the church. And it says not only they're teaching false teaching, but it's to the point where it's upsetting, overturning whole families. Some of you know well false teaching has come into your households or your families and you know that some have turned away from the truth and they are following after the false things of this world. Some of you have close friends, you have family members that you have been in debates with over God's word because they are believing something that they've been deceived by that's been presented by a false teacher of this world. Therefore, that's why it is so important that the elders of the church must silence the false teachers to the point that not only do you keep them 
from a point of teaching in the church, but at some points there may be a, 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 a false teacher who is trying to spread things behind the scenes in people's homes. They should be cooked, kicked out of the church. They should be excommunicated from the body of Christ because they are wolves in sheep's clothing. Some of you say, well, that's kind of harsh. We're told to silence these false teachers. And then he tells us why they do it. They do it for shameful gain. What we saw that elders should not have in their life in verses, um, in the first eight verses there, description of the, of the elders. False teachers do it for money. They do it for greediness. They are stealing money from the body of Christ. And again, many Christians in this world read and listen to false teachers. They listen to men and women who are greedy. And they want you to listen to their teaching. They want you to send them money in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you do that, you will be blessed. It is... A dark day in the sense when you think of the evangelical world. The evangelical world. So many places and people who would say, call themselves Christians and in churches live like the rest of the world. You see that church and there's no difference in how they live in the church and outside of the world. And generally it's because they started down this road of paying attention to some deceiver and believing false teaching that took them away from the truth of Christ. And so they seek the world's wisdom. Just like when we read James and went through James a few months ago. He warned the church of the worldly wisdom. Because worldly wisdom leads to worldly theology. And it leads to worldly living in the church. Church, do you see the weight of the importance of what Paul says to Titus? The elders must take a stand and pay attention to the false teaching. And you, the body of Christ, must read your Bibles and be aware that false teaching abounds and expose it when you see it. I know that we are surprised at times when we see churches steering away from the truth. And we see denominations turning away from the true doctrine of God's word. And part of this is that the result of trying to appeal to people as religious consumers we can't say hell. We can't tell them about sin. We can't do these things or they won't come to church. That is the reality of what happens. And so what is being presented to the world is not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. What is being pervaded and presented in many so-called churches in the world is a man-centered gospel that does not teach the truth that God is holy and man is sinful. Instead, it's all about God's love. God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. God is your friend. God wants to prosper you in this life. God wants to heal you of that disease. God wants to bless you with finances. If only you pray more, if only you have enough faith, if only you send us enough money, God loves you. 
Just believe in God, say this prayer, and you will have all of these things. And church, that is, those are lies. God does not have a wonderful plan for every lost sinner. All who die in their sins are cast into hell for eternity. And the wrath of God is upon them for eternity. That is not a wonderful plan, church. So do not believe people who say, God has a wonderful plan for everyone. He loves all of you. That's people twisting the gospel of Jesus Christ because there's people who want to hear pleasing things. Refute those things. Silence those things. One of the problems that the evangelical world does today is talk about God's love so much that God's authority and God's sovereignty and his will is thrown to the side. Listen to the words of the things you read and and what you listen to being taught. Anything that would put God's will, his sovereignty, his authority below man's will and man's authority, run from it. Throw the books in the fire. Turn off that podcast. Warn your brothers and sisters in Christ of those things. Church, I am so adamant about this because I've seen so many people over the years of ministry who have turned away from the truth of God because they've invested in this person and they like this blog and they go to this church over here and they don't stay on the words of God because they liked what they're, they like what they're hearing from those pulpits. And so the question then obviously is how are they to be silenced? He says silence them. Well, again, we go back. You look at verse 9. You look at the descriptors. The elders are to teach sound doctrine and to prevent false teachers from teaching the church. You kick them out. You use the sword that God has given us. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us the armor of God and the weapon we have, the sword, which is what, church? The word of God. That is the weapon to use against the wolves to protect the sheep. And the problem is, is if a church does not silence the false teachers, you have a church who has a disease that is continuing to spread from one person to one person to one person, and a church of people who give glory to man and not to God. Second Timothy chapter 2 Verse 17, actually verse 16, but avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth saying that the resurrection has already happened. They're upsetting the faith of some. There he's addressing a false teaching that's happened and he names the people. You read Paul's letters, he names false teachers There is no shame or nothing wrong from pastors and elders calling out false teachers by name. Again, I've done that here. And I had a person who said to me one time, why do you name those people? That's not right. You're attacking them. Because they're a false teacher. And because the times I've mentioned false teachers, because of people I knew in our congregation who were either reading them or listening to them. You must expose the wolves or they will devour the sheep. 
Look at verses 12 through 14 back in Titus chapter 1. Not only are you to silence them, but you are to rebuke the liars. Verses 12 through 14, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. What a nice thing to say about your own people, right? Don't go and tell your children this week, you're a liar, you're an evil beast, and you ate all those cookies, you're a lazy glutton. He does call them out. He agrees with one of their own. Actually, there is a a word that was used at that time, this word cretinize, that people would, it meant to speak or act like a cretin. So don't go around saying, you cretinizers, you know, I mean, here's the thing, is he called them out so that the people would know, here's how you know who they are. But he says liars, the cretins were known as liars. He said, evil beasts. There was no wild animals on the island of Crete that they know of, but he calls them evil, wild, rude, cruel, and brutal evil brutes is what that means. It says lazy gluttons, which means idle bellies or the protruding stomach that is a burden, that they're lazy. This is the descriptor of the false teachers that he's, that he's saying, here's what the Cretans are like. These are what the false teachers are like. Here's how you know they are. In verse 13, Paul says to Titus, this testimony is true. And he was quoting most likely this guy named Epimenides from the 6th century, a Cretan, writing about his own people. In Acts chapter 20, I believe we were there last week or the week before, when Paul says goodbye to the elders at Ephesus for the last time, in verse 29, he says, I know that after my departure, fierce Wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock and from among your own selves, and will arise, (coughs) speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul told them, after I leave, the wolves will come in, and they'll come up from within the church. Not just some traveling evangelist or traveling speaker that comes, but no, the wolves will come up from within the church And that is where the enemy, Satan, and the demons do their work through people that are not believers and to also twist, to turn the truth of God and spread gangrene among the body of Christ. It is for this reason, he says in verse 12, that you're to rebuke them. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Rebuke. Or reprove sharply. It means to severely or abruptly cut them off or correct them. And, it says, and the question though is, why? That they may be sound in the faith. You see, church, it is so easy for believers, true believers, to be swayed by some false teaching. Therefore, when he says that they may be sound in the faith, he's speaking of believers who are straying off, and you as a follower of Christ, the elders of the church saying, brother, sister, look at what Scripture says. Do you understand this, that you're teaching, you're telling other people what you're believing is not lined up with Scripture? Tell them that they would would repent of those sin and turn back to the truth of God. I'm so thankful over the years of ministry to see when people realize, oh, I was believing a lie. It sounded so good, but here's what Scripture said. And to see them turn back to the truth of God is a glorious, wonderful thing. It's something that we should pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to protect the body of Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 16, All Scripture is breathed out by God 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It is the word of God that you use to rebuke someone. You don't just walk up to a brother or sister in Christ who is believing something and say, you idiot, you moron, don't you realize this? And they're like, what? You go in love and you say, brother, sister, this is serious. Do you understand? Are you right? Am I, did I hear you right? Did you say this? To me, or did you teach this to someone else? Because, you know what, 2 Timothy says this. And be able to talk with those people. And, 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 and then, if there's trouble there, you may need to then go to the elders and say, Hey, I, I, brother, sister in Christ, and that. And through a process of Matthew chapter 18, even maybe church discipline, you may find that that person says they believe in Christ, like the false teachers, but they're not saved at all. Verse 14, Titus, Paul says to Titus, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. Here is that connection which we spoke of those of the circumcision party. Because before this point for hundreds of years, Jewish rabbis would add and develop extra laws on top of Scripture which contradicted Scripture and say to the people of Israel, believe these things of God and do all these hundreds of extra things and keep them perfectly. And they would impose these laws upon God's people. <clears throat> Things that were created by man. This is what false teachers do. Is they add to God's word. They twist God's word. And they lay upon people listening to them. Things that are not of God's word. And Titus chapter 3 verse 9 says this. But avoid foolish controversies. Genealogies. Dissensions. And quarrels about the law. For they are unprofitable and worthless about 10 years ago my wife and I and um, a couple of our children were coming home from church on a Wednesday night and as we pull into the um, parking spot right in front of um, the place we are living I see two men young men with white shirts and little badges coming our way and I was like oh I don't I, we just it's been a long day and I'm like getting kids out we're grabbing some stuff and we're walking in and they say so sir can we talk to you for a minute I said give me just a minute let me put stuff inside and let me grab my bible and they said oh sir we're not here for that and I said hold on hold on and um, so I came back out I grabbed my King James Bible because they use King James only with the Book of Mormon and all their other um, man-made uh, demonic uh, messages that they hold to. And these two young men, college age, one was leading another, and, and uh, they, they, for 45 minutes, they would tell me something, and all I did, I wouldn't even argue, I just would, I said, oh, let me read that, Colossians here, and I'd read a verse, and they would get upset, and they, I said, could you guys, you guys, I know you have a King James Bible in your backpacks, right? And they wouldn't answer me that. I said, could you just get your Bible out? Let's read it together. I have a King James. Like, well, sir, no, we're not. And I said, you, finally, the younger one that was being trained, I said, you got a Bible in there, right? He goes, well, yeah. I said, well, get it out. And for 45 minutes, they kept getting angrier and angrier. And all I did was read scripture. And they got louder and louder to the point where the one that was older was like yelling at me at a point, and then he caught himself, he said, oh, wow. And the other younger guy got so mad, did some weird thing where he turned around, put his hands in the air, starts like chanting something, and the guy's eyes got big, he goes, we don't do that here. And I was like, well, this is kind of getting weird. 
they walked off, and I was like, yes. It was too dark now. 45 minutes, they could have been talking to my neighbors, and I just gave them scripture. The next day, I'm sitting, and I can see out my window, and I see these two white shirts coming down, and they literally go behind the van that's parked there. I'm serious. And they were like looking like this to see if I'm around sitting on the deck because the apartment house is around it. They needed to get to the back to fulfill their checklist of seeing everyone. And so I see them and then next thing they're gone. So I go grab my Bible and I sit out on the deck and they come walking around the corner and he looks around the corner. He goes, oh, hi, Mr. Taylor. And he's like, uh, I need to apologize to you. I'm like, oh, no worries, coming over. You know, and, and so he's like, no, it's fine. I just, you know, and I said, hey, did you read Colossians, what I told you last night? Well, sir, you know that, and, and he's taking a step closer. And I said, but did you also read that over here in the Gospel of John? He goes, well, sir, and finally he was back on my steps. The other guy comes up, and for another 45 minutes, they went to argue and getting upset. I was like, praise the Lord. They heard the gospel, they heard the word of God, and my neighbors did not listen to their false teachings. Don't be afraid of false teachers. Simply read the scriptures to them. The Holy Spirit will direct you in these things. And you do it in love. Don't have a baseball bat by your door and threaten them. Don't go after people in the church and pin them against the wall. Take the word of God to them so that they would be corrected. The last two verses here, let's look at verses 15, through nine, through six, 15 and 16, that we are to identify the unbelievers. There is some specific instruction that he gives here in regards to how to not only identify these false teachers to expose the lies of the enemies, but as you do, you may just find out that these false teachers are not even Christians at all. To the pure, all things are pure, verse 15. The false teaching of the Cretans focused on external ritual, purity, moral purity, if they were part of the circumcision party, adding to these things. Their argument, that a, that their argument would be that a moral, morally pure person was made unclean when they would eat unclean things or touch unclean things. And if you read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through Paul, one through five, Paul addresses that. He talks about how all things are clean because God created them for good. You can go and read the book of Acts and when God gave Peter this vision about what he ate or didn't eat, but to the pure, all things are pure, verse 15, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Again, it's clear that there was some false teaching of Jewish legalism in these cities in Crete, just like other churches which Paul warned of. And so, again, this promote, promoting this truth that to be pure in life for God, you've got to do this, this, and this, follow this ritual, follow this law, don't eat that, don't touch this, cross your T's, dot your I's, and God will accept you. And church, you've heard repeatedly, not one person can make themselves acceptable to God by observing any ritual, <coughs> by going to church enough, by praying enough prayers, by serving people or going on mission trips. There is no way that no man or woman in this world can make themselves holy or righteous or right before God on their own works. Any saving work is all a work of God, and salvation belongs to the Lord. 
<clears throat> it's the Holy Spirit that cleans the heart. It's the Holy Spirit that renews the heart. It's the Holy Spirit that caused the heart that's dead to be born again with new life in Christ, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, therefore standing before the Lord. <clears throat> and he, Lord God Almighty, sees you as he sees his son, the righteousness of Christ. <clears throat> and so with false teaching today, again, pay attention to what they say. <clears throat> because Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 10 says that we're saved by this work of God. By faith in Christ, his grace is not by any works that we do, but yet false teachers in quiet ways say that you're saved by works and not by grace. And therefore, promote a man-centered gospel in which you can save yourself. If you look at verse 16, <clears throat> Paul says, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. That when you see someone preaching and teaching the word of God, that you also look to their life. Because the life and the work in, that you see in their life is the fruit of their heart. And we'll see through Titus, Paul comes back to this, good works and good fruit that's evident of the life of the believer. But if they do not have these good works, then it's a sign of being fruitless and not saved at all. First John chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 3 through 6, it says, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. If you want to know, if you have assurance of salvation, if you come to faith in Christ, read First John. There's a few spots where he says, you can know for sure if you're saved. And some people go, well, no way. Yes, read First John. Here he says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. You see, the, the person who's not a follower of Christ is only living in wickedness, and they, all they do is pursue wickedness and sinfulness. They do not obey God. But the follower of Christ who's been saved by the grace of Christ is one who is not perfect, one who is not sinless, but is being growing in their relationship with Christ, being sanctified, and therefore they desire to obey God. Before Christ, there was no desire to obey God. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Church, this is the mark of a true believer. If this is not seen in the life of a person who's teaching something that's questionable with God's word, they're a false teacher. Look for the fruit. The three things that he says are the fruits of the false teachers. They're detestable, they're disobedient, and they're unfit for any good work. <coughs> Meaning they are disqualified. That they are worthless. They are unqualified. Jesus warned everyone of false teachers, specifically the by saying in Matthew 7, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like the church. They look like a Christian. They sound like a Christian, but they teach deception and lies. But inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Again, they are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. In Titus chapter 2, when we come to it, verse 14, Paul says, Whoever who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Church, are you zealous for good works in your life? Not just for something that you do that you feel good about yourself, but it's that you're being obedient to the word of God. That you are to love one another. You are to lay down your life for one another. You are to serve using your gifts with one another in the body of Christ. You are to be obedient to God's word. There's a joy that should flow from you for being obedient to God's word, even in the midst of the battle of temptation of sin. But we must be zealous for good works to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, the lost, that those who would hear would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised them from death to life and be saved. <clears throat> Look at Titus chapter 3. I've got two more passages and we'll bring this to a close. <clears throat> Again, there is nothing that anyone can do to clean themselves up that God would save them. Nothing. You can't do anything for God to just go, okay, I'm going to save you. We do not control God. If we have any say in regards of our salvation, then we are God and he is not. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Titus chapter 3 Verses 4 through 7 says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Amen? Amen? Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That is the work of God, to save his people for himself through Jesus Christ, who gave his life at the cross, and just as we are singing about at the beginning of this service, the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the blood of Christ that can save the sinner to save God's people from their sin and make them holy and righteous. It is the blood of Christ which Jesus has given to purchase his people for himself. And therefore, nothing can stop him from saving his people. And it's not conditional on any work, any word, or anything that we say or do. It is simply the grace of God, the mercy of God that he would save sinners for himself. The last passage is in John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. And the reason I point these out to you in these verses is because I went through a list yesterday, a whole page of just numerous bullet-pointed false teachings of this world. And it hit me about 75% down the list. And I was like, Lord, I, I've never put two and two together with this. 
every single one of these false teachings are all about man. They're all about us raising ourselves higher than God, twisting the truths of Scripture. And every single one of them lead to this point that man has some say in how God saves his people from their sins. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Did you see that? Nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. Listen closely to the false teaching because false teachings lead you to the will of man and not the will of God. As the worship team comes forward, I want us to pray. And I want you as a believer in this room to pray for the elders and I want you to pray for the church that we would grow in our knowledge of scripture so we can know the false teachings and expose that. I want you to pray that you would grow in your desire and love for the word of God that it would grow in your heart as you read it with understanding. And if you're not a Christian and you're here today, the only way that you can be saved from your sin is, again, I repeat it almost every week, Romans 10, is that you must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You must believe in your heart that Christ was raised from death to life. And the Word of God says you will be saved. And he's the one who does the saving. And he's the one who does that work. And all the glory goes to him. Father, we pray and ask that in the midst of this serious passage of Scripture, this book of Titus, that we would be a people like the Bereans who love your word, who grow in your word, who pray according to your word, who rejoice in your word of the salvation that we have in Christ, who takes great joy in the truth that we read from your word and that we would live and apply it in our life. Father, I pray for the elders and I of this church that we would be growing in our knowledge of the truth, that we would have an understanding to be able to identify false teachers who come after the sheep, and Father, would you help us to protect and also be reminded that you are the great protector because you are the great shepherd. Father, would you build us up in our faith today? And Father, for all who came to this place far off from you, I pray today is the day of salvation, that you would save them from their sins, give them faith to believe in you. We praise you, Jesus. Amen.